Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from spring training, game one. That's right, we got a split squad game on Saturday. It's the Guardians first losing to the Diamondbacks 4-6. to six, But then in a night game, they end up beating the Seattle Mariners 5-4. to four. But the most important final of the day would be Team USA coming back in dramatic fashion to beat Venezuela 9-7 to and move on to the semifinals of the World Baseball Classic where they will face Cuba. We're down to Cuba, USA, Japan, and Mexico. That's a heck of a Final Four right there for the World Baseball Classic. Uh, you know, might not be the Final Four that you're focused on right now, but definitely the Final Four that I'm focused on right now. Uh, the college basketball stuff is fun, but it's, it's for some reason it's more fun when you're like at work, right? When, you, when you're kind of not supposed to be watching it. I, I don't know. The evening games kind of get away from me. Uh, I pay attention to the basketball more during the day. These baseball games at night uh, I've been a lot of fun. I mean, drama, high high baseball drama going on in the World Baseball Classic. So exciting stuff that USA is in there. And we're going to talk about that in the second half of the episode. We're going to focus on the Guardians right now. And we're going to talk about the World Baseball Classic at the end of the episode this time. As far as the Guardians go, top storylines for me right now going on in spring training. Number one, the top storyline for me is I'd love to see spring training. I'd love to see what's going on out there. I mean, the Guardians played a game against the Mariners in their home park with their A lineup, right? This is this is all your starters right here, right? This is this is the lineup: Quan, uh, Rosario, uh, Ramirez, Bell, Naylor, Brennan, Zanino, Arias, Straw. That's basically a starting lineup right there. For some reason, Oscar Gonzalez played in the other game, and you know uh, Jimenez is finishing up the World Baseball Classic. So that's kind of your top lineup right there, and nothing. Not a highlight. Josh Bell had a home run in this one. Not a highlight. Not even a cell phone. Not even shaky cell phone footage of Josh Bell's home run. So my top storyline for me is, I don't know about you, but I feel really disconnected from the Guardians this spring training. Other spring trainings, I don't know, maybe they play more day games and I've gotten to listen to the games a little bit more on my way home from work or, um, you know, there have been some televised games. They've picked up the other team's broadcasts at times and, you know, made it available to us. The the I feel like last year the MLB app allowed us to watch basically all of spring training. I don't feel like they, they blacked it out or were like, hey, you haven't signed up for MLB TV they were like, sure, it's a spring training game. Here it is. Go ahead. Watch the Mariners broadcast of this one or something like that. I don't feel like that's been a that's not available this spring. So I feel really disconnected. It, it is hard to be invested when you can't see it, when you're not even seeing highlights. The good news is the Guardians A lineup had a nice solid game against the Seattle Mariners. Uh the offense was really cooking. Kind of everybody. Uh, almost everybody contributed here. Uh, Quan had two RBIs from the leadoff spot. Jose Ramirez with an RBI. Bell with a solo home run. Uh, Naylor, Brennan, 
Arias and Straw all had hits. Arias with two hits in the game. Uh, Zanino and Ahmad, Ahmed Rosario were the only two starters without a hit in this one. So the A lineup looking good in this one. I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling that this is going to be a lot like last year, where this lineup can get very hot and very cold uh, very quickly. And uh, there's going to be definitely games where we're going to be left frustrated and it feels like the Guardians can't buy a hit. And then there's other games where they're just going to be all over the bases and just terrorizing those base paths. So hopefully more of the latter and uh, we really terrorize some pitching this season. And uh, yeah, obviously we need this offense. You know, we need the offense to cook a little bit to to, to uh, repeat as uh, Central Division champions here. So uh it's good to see the starters get a win under their belt. I know wins don't matter in spring training, but it's still good to see the starters go out there and play a nice, solid game. Now, other thing for me with this lineup, it is very clear to me that Ahmed Rosario is going to be your number two hitter. I mean, he has been there all spring. They're showing no signs of adjusting basically the top three in this lineup. Not with Bell coming, being the new addition to this team, it's a little bit different from last year, but he is basically showing that, look, that this is this is your lineup. I mean, what you've been seeing the last few days in spring training, Quan Rosario Ramirez, Bell, you know, cleaning up, and then Naylor, some combination of Brennan and Gonzalez, some combination of Arias and uh, Jimenez, Zanino and Straw. This one, he flips it. He puts Zanino ahead of Arias, but I got to imagine when Jimenez is back, he's going to have the sixth or seventh spot in the lineup, depending on who's pitching that day. You know, I kind of did a little thought experiment how I, I don't do this often. I know some of you probably would like it if I did this more, but I don't do like prognostications and guessing what lineups could look like and things like that. It's just not my style of podcasting. I go more with what I'm seeing, but I did a little thought experiment. This is what I would do. If, if I were in Terry Francona's shoes this is how I would set my lineup versus lefties and versus righties because it doesn't have to be the same. It doesn't. You're allowed to really adjust this lineup. And I, I didn't do much here, but you're allowed to adjust this lineup a little bit, whether it's a lefty and a righty. Now, what's interesting is some of these guys you know, might have reverse splits and stuff like that. So I was looking at Arias uh, basically here. And Arias actually in 2020 had pretty even splits. Or 2022 had pretty even splits at Columbus. He didn't have a very great season, uh, but it was pretty even splits. In 2021, he had reverse splits in Columbus. Uh, he actually hit better as a right-handed hitter. He actually hit much better, uh, 20 points higher against right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching. 289 hitter versus a 269 hitter. Big difference in the OPS, too, in the slugging. He was up to an 814 OPS against righties, down at a 757 against lefties. Like I said, in 2022, didn't have that great of a year in Columbus, but those splits, the splits were pretty even, um, left first, right. So I don't know if he's a guy that necessarily has to be in there against a left-handed pitcher. That's what you would assume, right? You try to get as many righties in the lineup against left-handed pitching as you can. Uh, we're going to talk in a second. How many at-bats do we really think we can get Gabriel Arias? But here's what I would do uh, against a left-handed pitcher. 
I would go Quan Rosario Ramirez. I'd get Rosario up there in that two spot against a left-handed pitcher. I'd go Quan Rosario Ramirez Bell, Gonzalez next. I'm taking Naylor out of the lineup. Naylor was really bad against left-handed pitching. He was. It wasn't pretty last year, his splits against left-handed pitching. So I'm taking him out of the lineup. And I'm going, after Bell, I'm going with Gonzalez, Oscar Gonzalez. I'm going Andres Jimenez next. Uh, So I'm isolating the lefty here between two righties. I'm going with Gabriel Arias in the lineup. He's going in for Naylor. Now, the key to Arias is he could play anywhere. So this could be first base and Bell could be DHing. Bell could be at first base. Uh, Arias could be at second and Jimenez DHing. He could be at third with Ramirez DHing. You know, he could play all over. He could be at second. Jimenez could be at short with Ahmed Rosario DHing. So that's the beautiful thing about Gabriel Arias. And that is how we're going to get him at bats this season. I mean, he is crushing it right now. He's hitting 351 in the spring with an 832 OPS. He's got a 400 on base percentage this spring. He's got the most hits on the team this spring. Now, we all know from, from Yu Chang Springs past that being the best hitter in spring training doesn't necessarily mean something. You have to prove that you're a player that can take that momentum back to Cleveland to start the season. The guy has the most hits in spring training. How many at-bats can we get for him in the regular season? This is this is the beauty of him. If he could play, really play all four infield positions, he could play shortstop or, uh, you know, uh, you, can move, uh, you can move Jimenez over and let him play second base uh, on the days when Ahmed Rosario is either DHing or, you know, out of the lineup. And this is a way to get him... Can we get him 300 at-bats? Can we get him 400 at-bats? I mean, the way he's going right now, you feel like you got to find a way for him to play five, six days a week. Can he play a little outfield? Uh, So, yeah, Uh, getting Arias in the lineup is going to be, I think, Terry Francona's biggest managerial decision each each morning, each afternoon. Yeah, he's going to have to make some tougher decisions, probably in-game, you know, deciding what relief pitchers to go with and stuff like that, but... Uh, his pregame decision he's going to have to make every day is how can I get Arias in at bat today? How can I get him in the lineup today? So I'd go with Jimenez and Arias and then Zanino and Straw to finish out the lineup. That's a lot of right-handed hitters that you can pack in there against the lefty. It helps with Ramirez and Bell being switch hitters. It helps a lot. So against righties, here's what I would do. I would I would move Ramirez out of the three-hole. I was talking with my brother about it today, and he's like, I don't know if Francona was going to budge on moving Ramirez out of the three-hole. All right. All right. I understand why, the continuity of it, but I would go Quan Ramirez Jimenez against a right-handed pitcher. You break up the two lefties with that switch hitter, then go Bell. Now you've got two switch hitters breaking up the lefties, uh, it really gives you a lot of flexibility if they do go to their bullpen and bring in a left-handed arm to try to face the top of the lineup. Then go Naylor. We're back to a left-handed hitter. Then some combination of Gonzalez uh, and Brennan, Rosario, Zanino. I'm dropping Rosario down to seven. Zanino and Straw. I think the, in the end of your order, is always going to be catcher, Straw, and or Brennan. Brennan can really go in there and... Uh, 
he can slot in. He can give Gonzalez a day off or Straw a day off. This is how you get Brennan at bats against righties. Obviously, we face more righties in the season, so there's more opportunity for Brennan to get in there. But uh, yeah, I I think it makes sense get that lefty in there against a right-handed pitcher. So that's what I would do against righties. I would make that little adjustment against right-handed pitching. I think it would be really exciting. I mean, Jimenez, yes, he was hitting ninth for Team Venezuela today, but he was basically playing, he's playing in this all-star league right now, this this elite of the elite league. And I know not everybody's in it. Uh, you know, Jose Ramirez has decided not to play in it. Emmanuel Classe was supposed to play in it, but he decided not to. I know the pitching hasn't been the best in the World Baseball Classic, but I mean, look at the list of hitters that are in there. I mean, you got you got Otani and Trout and Rosarena and Lindor and Salvador Perez and so many guys, like so many star level players, and Jimenez is right in there in the mix. I mean, this guy, he's an all star. He started an all-star game. This guy is good, and he deserves to be hitting at some point in this season above seventh for the Cleveland Guardians, right? He's too good to keep down there in the seventh hole all season. So this was my idea. This was my idea on how to get uh, Jimenez up there, get him into the top of the lineup, mixing it up with the Ramirez's and the Bells, right? Wouldn't you love to see a rally that goes Juan Ramirez, Jimenez, Bell? Wouldn't you love to see the Guardians rally with that top of the lineup? So we'll see. That's my idea. I don't think Terry Francona is going to do that. I think you're going to see this lineup, especially for the first month or two. We'll see as we get into the season, right? He made some adjustments last year, right? Quan kind of bounced around last year. Uh, it was hitting two, went into that slump in May. They dropped him down. He figured it out. And then, boom, he's leading off, and you know the, the lineup takes off with him in the leadoff spot. So is it going to take something like that this year, where Jimenez maybe starts in the seven hole, but maybe he just plays his way up into this lineup? Somebody goes into a slump. I don't want to see it, but it, it happens. Somebody goes into a slump, and suddenly Jimenez keeps climbing higher and higher in this lineup. So... Those were my ideas, but I think it's very clear from what you've been seeing the last few days in spring training, what Francona's lineup is going to look like on opening day, by the way, against the Seattle Mariners. So that's what's going on offensively for the Guardians. The other thing that I want to talk about, the other storyline for me this week in spring training is, oh boy, the uh, the pitching. I'm is anybody else out there a little bit concerned about the pitching right now? And it's hard. It's really hard because you don't you don't know what's going on in Arizona. Again, conversation I had with my brother tonight. He's like, "Well, there's those games where guys decide I'm just going to throw only fastballs. I'm just going to work on this pitch or work on this location." Does that still happen? I I don't feel like that. You know, you don't hear him talk about it that often. When we actually get to see these games, it does feel like they're using their full arsenal of pitches. So, I don't know. Some guys are having pretty rough springs out there. Plesak has bounced back nicely tonight uh, against the Seattle Mariners. That's right. Surprise. I'm recording this at night. Um, this is actually Cleveland Baseball Nightly. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Plesak, a nice little bounce back. Goes six in a third innings. Three hits. 
one earned run, one walk, which is nice to see, and four strikeouts. However, on the other side of that, right, in game one of this uh, split squad game, Cal Quantrill does not have a good start. In his return from uh, from the uh, World Baseball Classic, where he had a really, really rough outing for Team Canada in their first game, he only goes three innings, not the walks this time. In his start for Team Canada, gave up so many walks in the first inning. It was unbelievable. This is the hits. In three innings, he gives up six hits, four earned runs, a walk, a strikeout, and two home runs given up in this one. So Quantrill is really, really searching for it. And I'm a little bit concerned about the pitching going into this season. McKenzie is not having that, you know, his best spring ever. He has had a lot of walks uh, to start this this spring. Nine walks to 11 strikeouts. So not great. Uh, Savali has been hot and cold. So yeah, the pitching depth... It might take a while. I, I the first month, this April month of April is a crapshoot. Like I honestly won't be shocked if the Guardians, you know, are a game or two under five hundred in April because it seems like this pitching is gonna have to kind of warm itself up uh, as the summer starts to warm up. I think that's kind of what happened last year, and I think it's something that's gonna have to happen again because they're not showing the signs of being really locked in and ready to go in spring training right now. Now, maybe they could surprise us. Maybe, you know, they start that opening day game and they just take off, right? The, the, see, the regular season starts, the adrenaline kicks in, and they just take off. Or they, they come up to the colder climates. Uh, the bats uh, aren't cracking so loudly up here in Cleveland where it's a little cooler, and the pitchers can take advantage of that. Uh, the thing is right now with the way the farm system is set up, I just read an article where from MLB pipeline, where they voted, you know, they've sent out a poll with, you know, front office executives. And they said that the guardians are the best at developing pitching by far. And they had one of the deepest farm systems, but it does feel like there's a little bit of gap in the pitching. I don't know how much, how ready the triple a guys are to compete at the next level. Then, you know, they struggled last year. Hunter Gaddis, Xavier uh, Curry, uh, Connor Pilkington. Some of these guys struggled last year. How are they going to do this year? Battenfield, uh, you know, that's kind of the next guys up. The guys under them are the ones that are very exciting. Those are the ones highlighted in the MLB Pipeline article. Esposino, Gavin Williams, Tanner Bibby. But those guys are double A. There's a whole group of pitchers ahead of them that are going to be getting spot starts and double header starts and stuff like that. Uh, Gaddis seems to be having a good spring. Uh, he's only made one start, but he's made four appearances. He's got a 289 ERA in nine and a third innings. He's given up seven hits, but only three earned runs. And it's three walks to 11 strikeouts. So he's got a 1.07 whip. So Gaddis showing some improvement. Remember, last year was really, really rough for him. Uh, so yeah, Pilkington carrying a really high ERA. has given up a ton of hits, a ton of runs, a ton of walks. Pilkington is still trying to figure it out. Xavier uh, Curry is uh, giving up a ton of hits, 16 hits in 12 and two-thirds innings. 
Not the only four strikeouts in 12 and two thirds innings. So he's been struggling this spring. So I'm a little bit worried about that next wave of pitchers. I, I am. I don't know if the AAA guys, uh, what impact they're going to have eventually on the future of this franchise. Or is it going to be the guys at AA that are just going to pass them? Uh, Logan T. Allen is another name out there who's probably going to be uh, at Triple A. although I'm not seeing his numbers here uh, of how he's doing so far this year. Uh, Logan T. Allen, ooh, 9.82 ERA in three games, only three and two-thirds innings pitched, though. So a real small sample size. It was four walks to one strikeout, though. So that's not good to see. Um, so someone else who needs some work. Uh, Joey Cantillo, someone else who needs some work. Uh, he had not gotten into many spring training games. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, if these guys, you know, we, we see this often. Look at any young pitcher's stats as they come up through the minor leagues. And you usually see this dip in production every time they move up a level. It's like a ladder. You know, uh, they move up a level, the production dips, the next year starts, and their their production is back up to what we expect. You know, the strikeout rates are back up, the ERA is back down to what we're expecting. But that that when they go mid-season and they take that next step up, you can see it in their numbers. They do take a hit. They do take a dip. It is hard to move up a step in the minor league system as a pitcher. It is. You take you get a whole new challenge of hitters, a whole new savvy group of hitters, and it's a lot of pressure on them. So is was last year that for Gaddis, for Xavier Curry? Was that their downturn, you know, in the you know, the graph of their statistics? Is that that turned down and is it gonna come back up to what they've been doing to get them to this point? where they've made their major league debuts. They don't make a major league debut without showing something in the minor leagues, some potential. So it's there. The potential is there for these guys. They could figure it out. But it seems like based on this spring, and again, we talk storylines coming out of spring, without being able to watch the games and just looking at the numbers and reading some of the articles and stuff like that, that's kind of what I'm feeling is the storyline coming out of spring. That these pitchers... Still going to need to put in a lot of work in Columbus. And uh, they're going to have to make the most of their opportunities when they come up in double headers and rainouts and spot starts and whatever else reason we need to go to AAA to find a starting pitcher. So uh, that's what I'm feeling right now. That's what's going on in Guardians camp right now. Uh, again, the scores don't matter. The, the standings don't matter. It's, it's these storylines that come out of camp that matter. The good news is the team does seem like it's gelling. Anytime we do get to see them, actually see them, whether it's highlights or a broadcast of a game, they do seem to have that camaraderie, have that spirit that they had last year. And that's really important. So uh, hopefully as we wind down spring training here and we head towards Seattle in the start of the season, uh, hopefully we get to televise a few more of these games. And get a few more, uh, you know, get a few more chances to see our guys as they prepare for the season. So that's what's going on with the Guardians. MVP for the week. I think I'm going to go with Josh Naylor. He had that grand slam against the White Sox the other day. And that was definitely fun. I know it lit up Guardians Twitter. 
Uh, it was definitely a fun moment to see him continue, continue to absolutely torture the Chicago White Sox. So Naylor's get an MVP for the week for me uh, on this spring training week. All right, to wrap things up, let's talk a little bit about the World Baseball Classic. And again, a talk about a classic, a classic between USA and Venezuela. Absolutely fantastic ball game. The thing I've noticed in the World Baseball Classic is they are scoring runs in bunches. So many crooked numbers. And especially early in the games, first innings, USA jumps on them for three runs. Venezuela answers with two of their own in the bottom of the first inning. I, I got us. I would never be able to pull this data. You know, somebody at MLB would be able to pull this data to see how many average runs are scored in the first inning of the World Baseball Classic versus every regular season game last year. I got to imagine that the World Baseball Classic are blowing uh, Major League Baseball out of the water when it comes to scoring in the first inning. So many of these games have just had ridiculous, ridiculous rallies in the first inning. Um, So... This was a back and forth one. Uh, who is it? Bard comes in for the uh, for Team USA. Daniel Bard and absolutely blows it in the fifth inning. Uh, walks two guys, hits Altuve. Might have broke his thumb, which is terrible, but gives up four earned runs. Uh, Venezuela comes all the way back to take the lead after being down five to two. They take the six to five lead. They extend it. Um, with a solo home run um, from Luis Arise. Uh, so he extends the lead to 7-5. to five. And then Team USA, top of the eighth inning, they load the bases with nobody out. Now, here is where life has gotten very interesting for me. Most of you know that you've been listening. I'm a new dad. Uh, he's actually about to turn one. He was born right around opening day. And uh, he's about to turn one years old. And, you know, as dedicated as a baseball fan as I am, being a dad comes first, right? So, bases loaded, eighth inning, this amazing baseball game going on. The baby starts rubbing his eyes. It's time to go to bed. We, 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 let, him, we let him go to bed pretty late here. Uh, it's just the way our life is. We're, we're night owls here um, in our house. So, uh, he starts rubbing his eyes. It's time to go to bed. So, I get up with the bases loaded, figure whatever happens, I'll come down and see the highlight, right? It's not going to be that amazing, is it? Take him upstairs, do the nighttime routine, read him a story, put him to bed, come back down. I see we're up nine to seven. It's in the ninth inning now. Okay, what happened? Go back, find the highlights, and Trey Turner hits a go-ahead grand slam to put the USA up. 9 to 7 on an 0-2 pitch by the way. And the crowd just erupts and Team USA shows the most passion I've seen from them this entire World Baseball Classic. It hasn't helped that their games have been on at 10 o'clock at night here in Cleveland. Um but yeah, I the emotion and the passion I've been seeing from some of these other teams, I finally see out of Team USA and Trey Turner with a hero's moment in the 8th inning. And yeah, that's that's my life now. That's that's part of that's part of the job of being a dad is sometimes you're you're gonna miss these these great sports moments. Uh, so uh, I'm glad we live in an age at least where we have access to these you know insane amount of highlights and coverage and things like that. So it 
took me all the 10 seconds to pull it up on my phone and see the home run. So uh, a beautiful moment for Team USA. And they're moving on to face Cuba. And I got to say, man, there's just been some amazing offenses in this World Baseball Classic. The hitters are definitely ahead of the pitchers right now. I That's one critique you could probably make of the World Baseball Classic is the pit, the pitching isn't ready. These starters can't go deep into games. The, the pitching is just absolutely not ready for this. So uh, a, a fun offensive game from both teams. Team USA comes out on top, and now they move on to face Cuba. The other thing about this World Baseball Classic, the, the other thing we have to talk about is Jose Altuve gets hit in the hand, uh, possibly breaks his thumb. By, by the time you're hearing this, you might know the official word on, on how long he's out and whether the thumb's broken. Obviously, Diaz, the closer for the Mets, goes down with an injury in a celebration uh, you know, a day or two before. And yes, anytime you step out onto that field, you're risking injury. But the thing is, these injuries, uh, you just, you can't play scared. These injuries could happen at any moment. I mean, getting hit in the hand could happen on any pitch in any spring training game. It's not like he was facing some some untrained pitcher that has never had, you know, professional experience. He was facing a pitcher for the Red Sox. And a highly regarded reliever, as a matter of fact, who did not have any command, probably shouldn't have been in the game as long as he was, but he hit him in the hand. I mean, it literally could happen on any pitch in any spring training game. And remember, they play a ton of spring training games, so don't blame the World Baseball Classic. You can't hide from injuries. They're going to happen. It sucks. It sucks for Houston fans. It sucks for that general manager who was, you know, planning and and you know, coach who was that manager who was planning on having Altuve, uh, you know, hitting leadoff, hitting second, uh, playing second base every day uh, for the Houston Astros this year. Sucks for them, but just because it sucks doesn't mean the World Baseball Classic is to blame. These games are not meaningless. They are a lot of fun. And uh, injuries are just going to happen. you got to suck it up and deal with it a little bit. Especially injuries like this. It's, it's not like they're playing some exhibition game where the field conditions are terrible and everybody's getting hurt because you know, the field conditions are bad. right? These are injuries that are happening in the course of the game. These are injuries that are happening, I hate to say naturally, but they are, right? Nobody did anything. It just happened. So uh, it sucks. Altuve, uh, who knows how long a broken thumb could keep him out. But uh, unfortunately, another injury in the World Baseball Classic. All right. Those are the top storylines going on in baseball right now. Man, I can't wait to see how this thing wraps up with this Final Four teams. There are there are three games left in the World Baseball Classic. So it is coming to a finish fast and we'll see who our world champion is going to be this year. Will the Americans, uh, I don't even know, do they, a trophy? What do, what do they have for the winner of the World Baseball Classic? I literally don't remember. So uh, we'll find out in a few days. 
All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, remember, uh, if you haven't done it, please rate and review the show on whatever podcasting app you are listening on. We've got an all five-star reviews, and I appreciate everyone who's taken the second to click that button. But if you haven't yet, go ahead, click five stars, leave a review, help other people find the show. It helps them when they Google Cleveland Baseball Mornings Podcast. It helps this show pop up. So let's grow it. Let's grow the community of people that enjoy talking baseball. So uh, I appreciate those of you who have done it. And if you haven't yet, it'll take two seconds. Go ahead and click that rating. Maybe leave a review. Let people know what's going on here. All right. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on if the pitchers are ready. Let me know your thoughts on how you would construct the lineup, lefty versus righty. And let me know your thoughts on this World Baseball Classic and what Team USA is doing. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. I guess it's kind of still Anchor, even though it's Spotify now. But if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Cleveland Baseball Morning.